0: You are locked on Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm not the most positive guy in the world sometimes, but he, and the assistant coaches can can vouch for this. Even at the end of the third, when we were down 16 and we were struggling, but I said to our I said to our assistants, I said to Bob and Tim, I said our guys are playing hard. They're fighting, you know. So I wasn't. I, I they fought and fought and fought.
1: Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked on Pistons. You can follow Locked on Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at DanFeldmanNBA. Pistons got a real impressive win over the Raptors coming back from down 16 in the fourth quarter last night. Contavious Caldwell-Pope hit the big three at the end. He was one for 11 on three-pointers before he hit that shot. But he did something Stan Van Gundy has been really harping on the Pistons' role players to do. And that's shoot threes when you're open. It disrupts the offensive flow. It takes the Pistons out of offensive rebounding position. It screws everything up. In Stan Van Gundy's system, when players pass on their open three-pointers, they've got to take them... Contavious Caldwell Pope did and as a bonus he made it like this is step one it's just getting guys to take the right shots you make them that's pretty nice and it got the Pistons a, a big win against the Raptors team that has been struggling uh, this loss to the Pistons sort of sent the Raptors into a little mini panic uh, where Kyle Lowry's talking ominously about Changes need to be made, and not really revealing what it is, but the the way he said it, it sounded like there was something serious going on there. Maybe there is. That's the Raptors' problem, though, not something the Pistons have to worry about. Really, if you look at it, not a ton the Pistons have to worry about going forward. The Pistons have 27 games remaining. They're 26 and 29 right now. Of those 27 games remaining, just 10 of them are against teams with better records than the Pistons. Just 10. That means 17 are against teams with worse records or equal records. The Pistons are tied with the Bulls for 7th in the Eastern Conference. The Hornets are slipping. The Bucks are slipping. The playoffs look a lot more likely now. Yeah, the Heat are still hanging around, surging forward. But they also, I don't know, it looks like fool's gold with them. They were so bad early. I don't really trust this is a true turnaround. I think this is just a, a bad team on a historic hot streak for a bad team. Uh, for a team with a losing record... To win like the Heat of One is pretty incredible, and it does make me wonder. I'm not sure I'm right on this, but you're asking my opinion on it. I think the the Heat are just sort of fool's gold. Not really a serious threat to the Pistons, unless unless Miami decides, hey, this is real. Unless they disagree with my assessment, think this is real, and trade for help before the trade deadline. The Hornets have already done that. They traded for help uh, to get Miles Plumley. When you're trading for Miles Plumley for help, though, that says something about where you are. It's a real desperation movie. Has a few years and many millions of dollars left on his contract. I like his fit there because of how he can help Cody Zeller or help with Cody Zeller out because they're uh, stylistically similar in some key ways. That I think is is what makes Zeller so good for the Hornets. But that's the type of Win now trade where the upside is, oh, you make the playoffs as a low, sle- low seed. That I hope the Pistons avoid. Uh, and honestly, probably hope the Heat avoid just because they're competing with the Pistons. More worried about the Heat this year than in the long term, uh, because in the long term, you're sort of worried about everybody. I don't know uh, if they're beyond the Cavs, as long as they have LeBron. And the Celtics, who have so many assets, and the 76ers, who have so many assets, I don't know if there are any specific teams in the East I would key in on as, yes, I'm particularly worried about them in the long term. Where the Pistons are in the standings, the Heat are a concern in the short term. But let's get back to this larger picture of the schedule ahead. 27 games, 17 against teams with equal or worse records, 10, only 10 against teams with better records. Those 10 games, those are going to sort of stand out now as, as the outliers in the schedule. And then of those 10, only four are on the road. It's hard to beat teams better than you on the road. That's like the double combination. That's where it gets really tough. You can beat teams better than you at home. You can beat teams worse than you anywhere. The Piston's schedule is shaping up very nicely. They need to figure out, though, how to, how to play, how to keep this going. Yeah, Pistons lost to the Spurs at home on on Friday, but that was sort of a predictable result. The Spurs are not only better than the Pistons, they're way better. They're a veteran team, used to playing on the road. It's not such a tough thing for them, Uh, and they're just way better than the Pistons. That's the type of loss you can just forget about, move on, tip your cap to the Spurs, hope to get to that level someday, uh, not dwell on it. This win over the Raptors is one you can feel good about. It's one you can carry with you. Uh, The key is figuring out which elements of that you can duplicate. I want to talk more about that, but first I want to talk to you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website That makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone and use it frequently to look for tickets. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports fans and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is graded based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate on their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code, enter the promo code LOPISTONS, that's L-O as in Locked On Pistons. L-O Pistons. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code L O Pistons today. Against the Raptors, Pistons' finishing lineup was very strong. That's, that's how they got this big fourth quarter comeback. Contavious Caldwell Pope, Andre Drummond, Marcus Morris... And then two players off the bench, Ish Smith and Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris uh, was exceptional as a scorer. He finished with 24 points on just 13 shots. Ish Smith really kept the ball moving, really orchestrated the offense very nicely. He finished with 15 points, five assists, and only one turnover in 31 minutes. This was just the second time since Reggie Jackson came back, since the first couple games where Reggie Jackson was back, where Ish Smith played more minutes than Reggie Jackson. Is that telling? Is this something? Is this something that's going to be happening now? Is the minutes allocation changing? Stan Van Gundy tried to walk a tight line after the game. I don't think he really wanted to go in on this subplot at that moment. Uh, but he was asked about it. He really had to address it somewhat. Uh, so he talked about Ish Smith playing over Reggie Jackson and then also uh, Tobias Harris playing over John Lure down the stretch. Uh, This is from his press conference via Fox Sports, as was the quote you heard at the beginning of this episode.
0: The reason Reggie and John didn't come back is not because they didn't deserve another chance at it, even though they played bad. It's just Tobias was playing really, really well, and Ish was playing really, really well. So, you know, those two guys were playing great and really sort of fueling us, especially on the offensive end. So we just stuck with them. And playing time
1: is always relative. This is not a new thing. Like, look, at, imagine a team that had Stephen Curry and Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul and Mike Conley. Mike Conley might not get any minutes. That obviously does not make Mike Conley a bad player. He's a very good player. And so to different degrees, that's what we're talking about all around the league when we talk about playing time. Ish Smith was far better than Reggie Jackson last night. Far, far better. Uh, Reggie Jackson was just one for five, scored six points, uh, had one assist and two turnovers in 17 minutes. Reggie Jackson was minus 25. Pistons guy was scored by 25 points with him on the court. The Pistons outscored Toronto by 26 points with Ish Smith on the court. Just a huge swing, and it's been too often that the Pistons are better with Ish Smith on the court. It's something they've got to figure out. Reggie Jackson is the more talented player. There's a reason he's more highly paid. There's a reason the Pistons have sort of set their default position for him to be the starter. But they do need to figure out why they're playing so much better with Smith on the court and what to do about it. We're getting past the point where we're just going to say, well, you know, Reggie Jackson was hurt. He didn't have a training camp. It's taking him a while to get back in the swing. That might be true, but how long are you going to wait if it hasn't happened now is it more? How much more likely is it to happen at some point the rest of this season? Maybe he just needs the the full offseason to come in fresh for next year's training camp. If it hasn't happened now, when is it going to happen? What what evidence do the Pistons have of why and when? And these are the questions they need to be asking themselves. Because there is this playoff spot on the line that is a, an important thing for this team. It would be excellent for this team to. To make the playoffs, it would be very sad if they don't, coming off the year they had last year, whatever they have to do to get there, if that means playing Ish Smith more. You can start Reggie Jackson. You can protect his pride in that way. Uh, you can just give Ish Smith more minutes. Whether that eventually surpasses Reggie Jackson's minutes, that's sort of the, the tough question. Reggie Jackson did have 31 minutes last night, uh, and Stan Van Gundy was asked, could he, could he have played more? Should he have played more?
0: I can't give him many more minutes than I gave him tonight. I mean, he played 19 straight to to end the game, you know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, we'll see.
1: All right, well, Van Gundy is correct. He probably could not have played Ish Smith more in a row because Ish Smith came in for his usual shift in the second half and then stayed on for Reggie Jackson's shift. That's a long run. How do you get a reserve more minutes? You start him. I think this gets often overlooked because people – a lot of times want to say, well, look, it doesn't really matter who starts or uh, who comes off the bench. It matters who finishes. And then there's even the camp that says it doesn't really matter who starts or finishes. It's when you get your, how many minutes you get. And there's some truth to that, but here's why it matters who starts. Because at the beginning of the game, Ish Smith is ready to go. He's got his full energy for the night and he's sitting on the bench. So if he's going to play 30 minutes that night, and he doesn't come in till 10 minutes have elapsed in the game, then he's going to play his 30 minutes in 38 minutes. If he starts, he's going to play his 30 minutes over 48 minutes. It's going to be more spread out. It's going to be better for him. It's going to be better for the team. That's why generally you want your best players starting because it's not just about the recognition and the honor. That is something to it, and I think that matters to a lot of players. But that's not all it is. You want to be able to spread out the minutes, And I know this sounds very simple, uh, but I think sometimes it's worth breaking it down in these simplest terms. You want to spread out players' minutes. You obviously want to play your best players as many minutes as they can handle while staying healthy. And so once you identify who your best players are, you want to start them so they can spread out their minutes. And of course, there are other factors, and that's why Tobias Harris comes off the bench uh, because the Pistons want to balance uh, some of their scoring and playmaking and have, have that other guy who's real comfortable with the ball and creating for everybody including himself they want that other guy in the second unit that's why John Lure starts so there are other factors but with the Ish Smith Reggie Jackson uh conundrum I think it's pretty simple you start the better player now the far more complex question is who's the better player coming into the year it seemed like that'd be Reggie Jackson last season it was Reggie Jackson for their careers it's been Reggie Jackson But right now it's Ish Smith. And don't think, well, just because it's been Ish Smith, it's going to stay Ish Smith because Reggie Jackson is the better talent. So don't just assume that just because it's been Ish Smith, maybe even for the entire season, I don't think that's quite the case. I think that's overstating it. I think there were plenty of stretches where Reggie Jackson was better than Ish Smith this year, not lately, uh, but plenty of stretches. Don't assume that's what it's going to be. The only way we can predict the future is using the past but recognize that we're limited there. That predicting the future is hard. Pistons play the Bucks tonight. You don't know, I don't know, Stan Van Gundy doesn't know, which of the Pistons' point guards will be better tonight. You want to bet on Nish Smith? You want to bet on Reggie Jackson? There are arguments to make either way. But this is, this is going to determine a lot of where the Pistons go from here, is who their point guard is, who their main point guard is, and how those minutes are split up because right now this team is clicking better with Ish Smith. And the the difference was extreme in Toronto. I don't think it's usually going to be that extreme, uh, but these small things on the margin matter, especially in a game like this. Uh, the bucks are not far behind the Pistons in the playoff race. Uh, it seems like they're probably going to slip with Jabari Parker getting hurt, but they're close enough where that's not a given that yes, they would be better with Jabari Parker, but other things can go right for them. The biggest one, of course, is Chris Middleton's coming back. He's been injured. He's, he's just coming back now and should play tonight. A a real nice three and D threat, a, an upgrade for them on the wing. And then other players just can get hot at certain moments. I, yes, they would be better if they have Jabari Parker, but they could be good enough to make the playoffs. And if they're good enough to make the playoffs, they could take the spot that knocks out the Pistons. That's why games like this one tonight are important. Whenever you're playing another team in the playoff race, it, it almost counts double. Because not only are you getting a win, you're giving them a loss. It's going to be important to hold off the Bucks. Don't let them feel good. Don't let them get any momentum going. Figuring out how to play with Jabari Parker. This is a team that has been struggling even when Parker was playing. They were kind of slipping. I'm sure losing Parker brings up more questions for them internally. Don't let them figure something out tonight. If the Pistons play hard, if they play focused, and they allocate their point guard minutes correctly, they should win. Giannis Antetokounmpo will be the best player on the floor. Drummond can be a close second, close enough second to make up for the supporting cast and what I think is probably a coaching advantage with Stan Van Gundy against Jason Kidd, and the Pistons should win. A lot of games this year where the Pistons should have won, could have won, where you look at the game and say, yes, this is one where they should be favored. Maybe not should have won, but should be favored going in, and they don't win. There's a team that needs to cut some of those out because the schedule is shaping up nicely. A lot of opportunities down the stretch, not just to hang on to playoff position, but maybe to rise and get a higher seed. Is this team figuring something out? There are some signs. Uh, We'll get a lot more tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to to break down that game and look ahead to the All Star break and one more game before that against the Mavericks and everything ahead. We're still going to be here all week, uh, even with the All Star break starting. We'll be here next week too. You can follow Locked On Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening.